Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Who's ready for the Word of God? Wangara, are you ready? Scarborough, are you ready? Come on, let's go. Belmont, Port Kennedy, and Bunbury. We're going to get into the Word of God today. Exodus chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Maya, are you ready? Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Jump down to verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Jump down to verse 10. This is God's answer. He says, so now go. Say go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Verse 14, we'll jump down to that. God's answer to Moses was this, I am who I am. What kind of answer is that? I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Exodus 4 verse 1, Moses answered, what if, say what if, they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you. This is the Lord's reply. Then the Lord said to him, what is, say what is, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Today I want to speak to you about some beginning statements, beginning of certain questions that we may be tempted to ask or make at this time of the year. At any juncture in our lives, we go through transitionary seasons at the start of different years, at the start of different eras, at the start of different things, and God is always wanting to speak to us about our lives and what lies ahead. And whenever God speaks to us, I feel that at times our response to God's questions of our lives or His charges toward us are often met with questions that come from our own heart. And we start these conversations with God or we respond to Him often with some of these beginning statements. And so today, I want to speak to you on this thought, what if, what is, He is? What if, what is, He is? This is going to make complete sense to you as I unpack this account in Exodus about this story by a man by the name of Moses. We jump into Moses here in Exodus chapter 3. He's about 75 to 80 years old when we find him in Exodus 3. He's not a young man. If you can uh, think about Moses' life, it's a good way to look at it biblically, roughly, is to divide his life into three different chunks of 40-year lots. The first 40 years uh, was in Egypt. The second 40 years was in Midian or the desert. And the third 40 years was in the wilderness. You following me so far? 
Moses' life was very, very unique when we first introduced to Moses. He is a baby. He's floating down the River Nile. His, his own people were Egyptians that were under slavery in Egypt, and his mother didn't want him to have the similar kind of oppression, so she floats him down the river in full view of the Egyptian daughter's uh, sort of entourage. She picks him up, adopts him, and she raises him as a prince of Egypt in the palace. So he's a Hebrew boy growing up into a man in an Egyptian palace. There is displacement right there already. Makes sense to you guys. So he's always had a sense that, that even though I'm here in the palace, I'm of the Hebrew people that are enslaved until one day he's so incensed when he sees the, the Egyptian oppressors beating up on this one Hebrew slave that he intervenes. He actually ends up fighting and killing this Egyptian slave driver so racked with guilt. He goes on the run and runs away into the hills of Midian. He's about 40, 40 years old then. And for the next 35 to 40 years, he finds a brand new life. He's living in Midian he gets married, has a kid. He's now got a full-time job as a goat and sheep herder for his father-in-law's small business called Goats Are Us Midian. He's completely comfortable. 40 years, something even 40 years is a long enough time to have a routine. You're settled in, like second half of your life, totally. And then this random day at work, he's walking past and he sees this bush and it is burning. It is burning, but it is not burning up. So he stops, he turns, and he starts to address or, or engage with this bush and it starts to talk to him. Now, this is a freaky account, right? But what God does next in this account is what God wants to do with us all. There are many seasons in our lives where God simply wants to engage with us and to speak to us about our next. He's constantly speaking to us about our next steps. He's constantly speaking to us about what our next move is. The Holy Spirit within us, yes, the New Testament believers, is constantly guiding us. The Bible says even through the Bible that He's the, 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 the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. God is constantly speaking to us about the what. Now, the kind of conversations that God might be having with you at the start of the year might be different to the kind of conversation He was having with Moses because it's not like God is going to ask you to go and liberate Hebrew people out of Egypt but God is speaking to you about what your coming 2023 is going to look like. Maybe God wants to get your attention and talk to you about your spiritual growth and maturity this year. Maybe He wants to do a new thing in, in, to accelerate your discipleship journey. Maybe this year God is speaking to you about doing college. Maybe this year God is talking to you about how you plateaued in your growth with Him and He wants to keep walking with you in that. Maybe God wants to speak to you about being part of an accountable community of faith to actually start going to connect group, hello, to take up leadership, to serve, to share your faith, to do something in your workplace, whatever it is, you need to understand that God is always speaking to us about our next, but we're not always willing to hear Him. Sometimes people say, oh, I, I, I don't know what God wants me to do. Oh, he, he hasn't spoken to me. He's speaking all the time. It's just that maybe you're too busy to listen. Maybe you're too stuck in your ways to even consider that God might be speaking to you about something new. If Moses was just stuck goat herding that day, he had a list of things to do, he would have never stopped and engaged with a bush that was talking. Hello, come on, right? Turning another year older is not uncommon. It happens every year in January. It happens to us all. My question to you today is, are you ready for the possibility that God wants to speak to you about your next, even in the mundane of January? You have always been on God's mind when it comes to His 
purposes here on the earth. He always has you in mind to outwork his kingdom purpose on the earth. You need to understand that God had always had Moses in mind when it came to liberating the Hebrews out of Egyptian slavery. Only God could have orchestrated this baby who was floating down the river, who was picked up by the Egyptian princess, who was raised in the Pharaoh's court, who would now run away from Midian, etc. Where he's living, all of that, his whole life story, God had it in mind. And now, here at 75 to 80 years old, God comes to him and speaks to him about his next. Oh, I love the stories of Abraham. I love the stories of Moses' wife because it reminds me that you are never too old for God to speak to you about your next. As every year turns and you get a little older, you're never too old for God to say, I've got more in store for you. Purposes of God hmm, are not just for the young. How many of you thank God for that? The call of God are not just for the young adults or the youth. It's for everybody. The Bible is applicable to everyone. Ephesians 2 verse 10 is applicable for everyone because if you realize that you're not dead today, you need to also realize that God's not done with you. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This doesn't just apply to young people. This applies to everyone. I believe that Jesus has more good works for his church to do than his church is prepared to do them. In every season, God is constantly speaking to people. At the start of every year, at the start of every juncture in your life, He's constantly saying, I've got more and I've pre-prepared for you to walk in. You're just not listening. You're just not having burning bush experiences. You're just not engaging with me. Jesus has more good works for His church to do than His church is prepared to do. I don't care what your comforting internet meme is trying to tell you today, right? Jesus has been screaming for 2,000 years, the harvest is plentiful. I just don't have any laborers. There is a labor shortage, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. There is work to be done, but the church is asleep. There are people to liberate, but my people are too comfortable in Midian. This is what God is trying to say. You're never too old for God to speak to you about serving Him, stepping up in Him. You're never too old to live with kingdom purpose. And at 80 years old that day, in some random hill in Midian in the desert, a burning bush speaks to a 79, 80-year-old man and say to him, I want you to go back to Egypt the place where you spent your first 40 years of your life. My people are struggling. They are dying there under the brutal hands of the Egyptian. I want you to go. God begins to speak to Moses about purpose, about his next, but his first response to God is this, what if? What if? Moses answered, what if? They do not believe me. What if they don't listen to me? And what if they say the Lord really did not appear to you? How many of you have ever heard that God speak to you something in your heart? It excited you for one second, and your next thought is, what if? Am I the only one? Come on. All the other campuses, there's people responding. Come on. But God is actually speaking to you and is saying, Roland, Leanne, I want you to go back to the place of your birth, Roland. I bet you, you had one second of excitement and your next thought was, what if? What if? Do you understand that what if is the beginning of a fear-based question? 
That question, what if? I think some of a believer's most deepest fears are not that the great evil would befall them and that Satan would come and torment them in the night or anything like that. I believe, this is my personal belief, a believer's deepest fear is that God would call us to a greater life than what we are not prepared to live. God will call us to a greater life, but we're not prepared to live it. We all fantasize about this, getting this burning bush moment, but we're not always keen on what the burning bush has to say. Come on. Hello. What if we want to hear from God for the coming year? Do you really? What if he asked you to live a greater life than you're prepared to live? See, that what if question is not just a fear-based question. It's hypothetical. How many of you know that in this point in Exodus chapter 4, Egypt hasn't happened yet? And yet Moses is already hypothetically, hypothetically of God, what, what if? What, what if? What if Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? What if the people don't listen? What if I fail? And how many of you know that often our hypothetical fear is based on a historical fear? When God speaks to us every year, we're afraid of the what if because we've lived long enough to experience a lot of what was. And the older we get, the louder our what if question becomes because we've lived long enough to have a lot of what was. Hello? Oh, I'm speaking to some old people today. Come on. Come on. 2023, you're 58 years old. Being a Christian for 20 years, God says step up into connect leadership. What if, what if God, what if, because like 10 years ago I tried to run a small group and it didn't really take off. Hypothetical, because it's historical. And every year as we get older, our what ifs become louder because we got more history of disappointment. We got more history. Moses is now 80 years old. He knows what the Israelites are like. He knows God calls them a stiff necked people. They're stubborn. The thought of leading a million of them freaking him out. <laughs> 40 years he's grown up in the Egyptian courts. He understands exactly how non-negotiable Pharaoh is. He does not negotiate. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. He's got enough history yeah. to be concerned hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. If you're here today, you've got to understand if you're asking what if questions... Your fear is hypothetical because it's historical. Maybe God is impressing on your heart. This year, you've got to accelerate your discipleship and enroll in Nations College. What if, what, what, what if God, I, I, I can't manage the finance because I, I've, I've never been really good. What, what if I can't manage my time? What if I, 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 I don't know? Well, what if, I, if my boss doesn't tell me, tells me that I can't take the Wednesday off because, you know, he's always, he was mad the last time I asked to go from full time to point eight. We have a lot of history, so we ask a lot of what ifs. Come on, are you out there? Our favorite question whenever God asks us to step up is what if? It's a fear-based question that's hypothetical because it's historical. At 47 years old, I've recognized that at times my what if is so loud because I think I've lived more life than I've got life left to live. 47. But at 29 years old, my what if sounded real different. At 29. I was asking God questions like, 
What if I plant a church and becomes a multi-generational church that impacts? Come on, what if we plant a church that reaches nations one day? Come on, are you out there? What if we plant a church? It might just be a hide hole right now, but what if we plant a church and we start something in the city of Melville that one day goes all over the city of Perth? I was asking different type of what if questions when I was young because I didn't have a lot of history. My hypotheticals were based on faith, not fear. I wanna encourage you today, if you're asking the wrong kind of what if questions, if God is speaking to your life to step up this year, I wanna say this to you, reawaken the faith-based what if, not the fear-based what if. Because at any, any juncture in your life when God speaks to you, you can respond two different ways. Your what if could sound like, what if I fail? What if I get disappointed again? What if I'm hurt by leadership again? What if I'm not good at this? Whatever it is. What if I get stuck in this addiction again? What if I can't afford it? What if I find that I'm not, I don't have the talent or what it takes? Or you could actually say, what if I step into leadership and I crush this time? What if I serve again and I might discover gifts I never had? What if I enroll for college? It might accelerate my growth. What if I start sharing? my faith again, revival might come to my office. What if I go on a mission trip? It might actually pull some things out of me. What if I dream of the possibilities again? Stop asking the wrong kind of what if and start reawakening the kind of what if that God wants to reawaken in you. But we don't, do we, most of the time? Our what ifs are hypothetical fears based on historical experiences. And it might sound like Moses was actually doing his due diligence. I mean, love the idea of due diligence. You do it all the time at work. You do your due diligence. You try and find the facts out, right? It might have sounded like Moses, well done, you're being very cautious. You're being very careful. I want to say this to somebody. Fear always masquerades as careful. Fear always Trojan horses into your life as caution. Fear always puts on a mask that looks like, be responsible, do the responsible thing. But you need to understand that when God asks you to step out, He's not asking you to deal with facts. He's asking you to deal with faith. So Moses asked, are you guys getting something out of this? So Moses asked, what if? And I love God. God never gives us the answers we want. What if the people don't listen to me? What if Pharaoh does not negotiate with me? What if these people are stiff-necked people, God? What if this doesn't pull off? What if I go back to Egypt and they find out I'm actually the manslaughterer, the murderer that killed one of the Egyptian slave drivers and they throw me in jail? What if to which God does not answer him with an answer, but the God answers him with a question, what is in your hand? What is in your hand. Man, this is going to be one of the most powerful revelations you have this year. Stick with me on this. When God asks you back the question, what is in your hand? He's not asking you to tell him what he already knows. God's not going, I don't know what this, this, this stick with a little hook is. Moses, can you tell me what that is? He knew what that is, and he knew Moses knew what that was. But God, when he asked the question, what is, he wasn't asking Moses to look what is in his hand simply for what it is, because God knew a shepherd's staff on its own at face value was not going to turn Pharaoh's heart. Come on. What a ridiculous question. He knew this staff on its own was not going to liberate a million Jews out of slavery. God was asking Moses, 
to trust Him that what is in His hand will become whatever Moses will need it to be in the future should he say yes to what God is calling him to. You're catching this. What is in your, well, 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 what, what if, what if, what if they don't listen to me, God? Well, what is in your hand, Moses? And in that moment in Exodus 4, verse 2, Moses looked at his staff and he said, oh, it, it, it's just a staff. In that moment in time, he had no idea that sometime in the future, he would throw it down and it would turn into a snake. He had no idea that sometime down the line, when he goes back to Egypt, he would touch the Nile and it would turn to blood. It would turn Pharaoh's heart. He had no idea that under pressure with the chariots chasing, he would lift up his staff and the water would part, forming walls of water for his a million Jews to walk. Come on, are you out there? He had no idea that one day he would touch the rock and water would come out to feed an entire nation. You don't know what is in your hand until you look at it through the eye of faith. Right now, you're asking what if questions because you're seeing the time that you have. It ain't much. I don't have that much time, but I promise you, if you throw down that Wednesday night and go to Connect, God is gonna bless your life with a community of people that love you. You might be looking right now, I don't have that much time, but if you're saying, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that 10 minutes right now in my lunch break to throw down my staff and speak to that person about my faith and what I did on the weekend, you might just see someone that you love in the workplace actually experience Jesus. What is in your hand? What is? in your hand. So many of us ask the God, God, the what if questions. God, God, what? Uh, you know, my connect leader just asked me to open up my house uh, on, on, on a Friday night for, for, for connect. Uh, just throw your what is down and watch your living room turn into a revival house. Come on. So many of us ask what if questions because all we see is just a little bit of stick with a hook at the end. God is not asking you to look at your staff for what it is. He's asking you to look at it for what it can be when you put what is in your hand into His hands. I need a resounding amen from somebody today. What if? God says, what is? I love that for every question that Moses had. What if, da, 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 da. what if this happens, God? What if there's a stutter and, and they laugh at me? What, what if? All of the different excuses to which God had but one answer. I don't know that God only has one answer for all of our stupid questions. <laughs> God says this, I am who I am. What if, what if, what if? I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, verse 14, Exodus 3. I am has sent me to you. Hmm. Man, I want to preach this. You guys ready? I want to speak prophetically to somebody today. There are things that God has spoken to you about, and you are absolutely freaking out about. You're calculating all of the odds. You're thinking you've got your spreadsheet out. You've got your pros and cons list. You've talked to every man under the sun about their opinion. What do you think? Obviously, none of those things are wrong, but you are asking a whole lot of what-if questions to which God is saying, what is? And even when you're looking at the what-is, but God is just, God is saying, okay, I'm going to trump you with this card. How many of you know that the one answer to every nightmare is just to wake up? 
To which God says, all right, I've had enough of debating with you now, Moses. Just tell them I am sent you. I want to say this to you today. If you've got a lot of what-if questions, you just need to know that he is the great I am. That's all you need to know, Roland and Leanne. Some people ask you, what's your strategy? What's your plan? Where are you going to go next? Are you going to hit the universities next? Are you going to try for families? Are you going after the youth? Is that the young adult demographic? You just need to say, I am sent me. I am sent me. And he is the great I am. It's not that we want to be stupid and non-strategic. I'm saying to you, there is a greater purpose as to all of the purposes that God has called us to. And if you're asking what if questions, if you're trying to calculate the odds, you're trying to minimize the risk, God is saying to you, wake up to the fact that He is the great I am. The reason why we ask what if questions is because we're afraid. But fear kills off more purpose in us than failure ever will. When he is the great I am, you have nothing to fear. But, 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 but God, what, what if, what if? He's saying, what is in your hand? Remember, he is the great I am. It was an invitation by God to Moses at 80 years old to live a greater life than he's ever lived. You know, I reckon it is far easier for God to save us from bad to good, like from a bad life, destitute, broken, desperate. It's far easier, I reckon. Don't you reckon that it's easier for God to save someone who's so destitute and broken and save them from a bad life to a good life than it is to save Christians from a good life to their best life? I reckon God's got a far easier job saving someone who's down in the dumps, a wretch like me, into a life in him than it is to save Christians from their good life to their best life. Far easier for God to get people out of Egypt, far harder to get them out of Midian. And this is the juncture I want to address today to 21st century Christians. It is far easier for us to stay in our Midian when all along God has got so much for us. Our what if questions rarely come to God in our most desperate, destitute times. I promise you, the reason why you're asking what if questions is because you love your nights in so much. You're so comfortable with your Netflix binges. You, you just love the standard of living you're in right now. The what if question, come on, hitting up against something now. It's not the fact that God is trying to take you out of slavery into liberation, He's trying to get you out of Midian. 40 years I've been here, God. I'm married now. I've got a kid. We've got a house. I've got a, working for a small business. I'm really happy right now, God. Don't you rock my boat. I'm asking you what if, because I'm not prepared to live the great life that you have in store for me. I just want to live the good life. Hmm. And yet God says, what is in your hand? You're concerned. You're concerned about a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of margin, a little bit of routine that you got now. What am I going to do with it? And God says, if you throw it down, you will see what I can do with it. You will never experience He is turning your what is into a breakthrough if you keep living in a what if life. At 29 years old, our old pastor asked Chrissy and I to plan a church. And had we 
We ask all the what-if questions. Don't worry about that. But had we stayed living in the land of what-if, you wouldn't be here today. I so thank God that we visited what-if. We never built a house there. And for some of you, you've been building a house in what-if, and it's been 40 years, and your burning bush experience is right now. Come on. I'm speaking to somebody today. Come on. Are you out there? There, there was a time when I asked, God, 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 what, what, what if? What if? What if, God? You're asking us to plan a church. I don't, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, I just finished my CPA. I'm trained for the boardroom, not the pulpit. Chrissy was a speech pathologist. She was trained for the therapy room. She was, she was trained to teach children how to speak. She wasn't trained to speak to adults that were behaving like children. <laughs> this is like, that's not we were trying, this is not us, God. I had a very strange mix of skills. I could, I could play the guitar and sing, and I could, I could do accounts. <laughs> what? That is a very odd mix. What if, God? What if? But I so thank God, as I look back on our history, that we only visited the land of what if. We never built a house there. Yes. If you're here today, and it's been years that you've been living in the land of what if, I want to say this, put your what is into the hands of he is and stop asking what if. You were created for so much more. Because if you keep living in the land of what if, your what if will always lead to this one word. No. No. When we don't live the he is life, you'll never see the power of what is. And you will keep living the what if life. And your what if life will keep you where you are. Imagine if Moses in front of that burning bush, what if God, what if God, what if God? No. We wouldn't be reading about Exodus 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, Deuteronomy. The book of Joshua would never happen. Come on, I wonder today how many stories have remained untold in the church because we've been living in the land of what if. How much of your story remains unwritten because you're living in the land of what if. I can promise you, I know this couple very well. And across the last two to three years, there were a lot of what if questions. I've been sitting on your couch talking to you about your what if, what if, what if, what if. Thank God they only visited the land of what if for a couple of years. And in July last year, they said, I'm going to put our what is into the hands of he is. And in nine days' time, nine days' time, nine days' time, a new story is going to get written. You know, what if always leads to no. You know what no is? It's the beginning of the word no thing. <laughs> Nothing. And if you live in the land of what if, there will come a time on the other side of eternity when you will have no thing to show. Yeah. Man, getting real now. Yeah. See why the enemy is so bent on keeping us in the good yeah. and stopping us from the best. Yeah. He wants you in Midian. Yeah. That's where he wants you to stay. Because yeah. he knows if he can't steal your salvation from you, yeah. he'll keep you 
in the land of what if. Good preaching, PK. Good preaching. We live in an age where we have more things, more devices, more information to do more things more instantly for us than ever, giving us more time. We've got more means to go more places quicker. Do more things in a day than we've ever done. Hello. And then at any other time in human history, we are more efficient. And yet, whenever God asks us to step up, we ask, what if? That eventually always leads to no. Western Christians all over the world are clogging up counselors' couches, feeling purposeless, hopeless, lonely and empty. Because all along, God has created us not to make our home in the land of what if, but to live the He is, the great I am life. Come on, any resounding amen from you today. When you live the He is life, it inevitably leads you to a yes. Can I say to you today, whatever it is God has placed on your heart, doing college this year, stepping in a connect group, leading a connect, serving, sharing your faith, whatever it is, starting up something incredible in your workplace, whatever God has placed on your heart to share your, your testimony finally to someone that you love, someone that you've been reaching out to, that neighbor, whatever it is that God has been speaking to you about, my answer to you, my submission to you today is simply this, live the He is life, because it will always lead you to a yes. Is that helpful to you guys? Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise? Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.